0: Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth Podcast. To stay connected, go to RevivalToday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. I believe you're going to get a lot out of today. I'm going to preach something I haven't ministered directly on before. And uh, if you're watching online, you already have my title. I titled today, Can a Christian Be Demon Possessed? Examining generational curses and spiritual warfare from scripture. I want you, if you have your Bible, well, that really let the air out of the room. <laughs> Take your Bible and turn to Numbers chapter 23, Numbers, the 23rd chapter. numbers 2313 I never thought I'd be old enough to say some of the things I'm going to say but I've started to see now that I'm 42 some things that have come in cycles in, in Christianity if you were in the 80s in Christianity there were there was a big rise in what they called deliverance ministries where somebody would run a hotel ballroom and then people would manifest and they'd ask him what the name of the demon is and then they'd cast it out and 7 minutes later that guy was taking the offering as part of the deacon's team. And then if you came the next night, he was uh, demon-possessed again. They cast it out again. And uh, that that was a major uh, fad in the 80s. Then it went away. You know, it's funny that you hear about teaching on hyper-grace and that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to live holy. You don't have to give. Jesus died for all our sins. Everybody's sins are covered. Everybody's going to heaven. And then you read Finnis Dake's book. And he's got rebukes against it from the 1960s. So say this out loud. The devil has no new tricks. tricks. So you just see things cycle, and it's like every generation has to do the Chuck E. Cheese, knock the head of the thing, and put it back in the hole. Before I go to Numbers 23, just so nobody gets a wrong impression of what I'm here to do, turn to the book of James in the New Testament. Now, once you get to James, go over to Jude, because that's where I'm actually going to read from. A couple of books to the right. Jude chapter 2. I'd blame jet lag, but it's only like a two-hour change, so. Just got to take that one on the chin. Jude only has one chapter. So it just has verses. It's one of the books I've read many times in Christian school. We had to read a book of the Bible every week, so me and Jude got to be great friends. Me, Jude, and 3 John. The three amigos. Jude, verse 5. So I want to remind you that though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged, God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. You know the pro-LGBT uh, little vocal wing of the ch- of of cr- churches. Um, it's amazing how they'll say that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed for inhospitality. And then the Bible tells you right in Jude, it doesn't say they were inhospitable. It says they were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives. So who's this next part addressing? People who what? Well, let's read it again. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams and live immoral lives. Who, what type of people is this next part of Scripture going to address? Those who do what? Live immoral lives. Defy authority and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But these people scoff. Who are these people? People who what? Live immoral lives. Not not Christians. But these people scoff at things they don't understand, like unthinking animals. They do whatever their instincts tell them, and so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their own rebellion. Anytime as a minister, you go to teach out of the word of where Satan's rightful place is, which is under our feet, and you almost have a mocking, scoffing tone at his power compared to the power of God because there's nothing to do but scoff and mock. I want to remind you that when Elijah had 400 false prophets from one sect of false religion and then 450 from another that were the top, He didn't pray against them, never devoted one second in prayer. He stood there like Don Rickles and just made jokes about their God. Perhaps your God's deaf and you should shout louder. Perhaps he's away on vacation. Then he said, perhaps he he, uh, has to relieve himself. That's what Elijah said. Then when he said, are you guys all done? Okay, my turn. Then they poured the water on there and he bowed and prayed. And if you read that prayer slowly, it takes about 16 seconds to read the full prayer. And fire came down from heaven. So anytime you teach about the devil from the perspective that he's under your feet, you have this other wing of Christianity that essentially glorify the devil. Devil's going to be out there waiting to attack this week. I know now that I'm saved, the devil's going to be after me. They have this view that the devil's not under their feet. At best, eye to eye, and and most of them, the way they talk, they want to come right out and say it. They believe the devil's over their head. They believe the devil can limit them and lure them back into sin. So when you start teaching from the standpoint of authority, this is the verse that people. Well, the Bible says that these people like Jonathan scoff at things they don't understand and make light. Nothing I'm saying today or this week is going to make light of demon possession, demon oppression, or deliverance. What I am going to make light of and mock are ministers that lure people back into bondage by teaching them that as a Christian, they're open to, and many are. I, and I've been, you know, I've been around, I've been, I've, I've preached, I've not preached in Japan or the far, far East, but India, South Africa, Central Africa. And I've shared the stage with people. I've told, I've told people that have had me in to preach before. If you're going to have that lady preach, I'm out of here. I'm not being seen on the same platform with her. She's, and they said, why? Because she's nuts. That's a theological term. It means you're cuckoo. <laughs> My grandfather was the first one saved in our family. And he used the term, he called them granola Christians, fruits, flakes, and nuts. When you have somebody call out a Christian, tell a whole room full of believers that a demon can live in your spirit while you're saved. And that we have demons that still reside in our soul realm, which is our mind, intellect, emotion, and will even after we're saved. So yes, we're saved, but many of us never got rid of the demons that are in our soul, and those have to be cast out. You not only, I'm not i am not called, nor do I have any interest, in splitting theological hairs and, and correcting people in the body of Christ, but when you're luring people by the thousands, back into an oppression where every time something goes wrong they feel like they're under a generational curse and there's things in our bloodline that that haven't been expelled yet I want to tell you and I'm on completely solid Pittsburgh steel theological footing when I tell you that whatever was in your bloodline before you came to Christ if any man be in Christ he is a new creature the old life is dead all things all things not some things not most things All things become new. Can you say amen? Amen. There may have been things in your bloodline. Everybody might have drank in your family since the 1700s. Been a bunch of drunk, infighting, inbreeding, uh, sexual immorality and sexual problems in the home. I'm not doubting any of that. But when you get saved, you're not still in that family trying to get things cleaned up. You have died. The Bible says the empty life you've inherited from your ancestors has been put to death. Nevertheless, I live. But it's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. If you're thankful for redemption by the blood of Jesus, let your Lord hear your hand clap today. That you're not a little free. You're not getting free. I am redeemed. Somebody say it out loud. I am redeemed. All right. Uh book of numbers numbers chapter 23 verse 13 i'm going to just make a couple points on monday about can a christian be demon possessed spiritual warfare and deliverance because it's a hot thing now many of you don't know it but you actually carry demons uh from your ancestry that haven't been expelled yet and if you sign up for my course for four hundred dollars I can help you in ninety days. If somebody needs your four hundred dollars in ninety days to get, a de- even if you had a demon, they can't do anything about it because they've sold the gospel out. The Bible says, "Freely you've received, freely give." Can you say amen? amen? Numbers twenty-three, thirteen. This is an important piece of doctrine, very important. Then King Balak told him, which was Balaam, who was a a, a witch doctor in that day, carried carried power to curse. Come with me to another place. There you will see another part of the nation of Israel. So people have been trying to curse Israel for a long time. And if, if you get on that boat, if you ever hear a politician that we, Israel doesn't belong in that land, they've taken it over illegally, you're listening to somebody that's either full of the devil or influenced by the devil. Because that land belongs to the children of Abraham. Come, to, come with me to another place. And by the way, I'm on television in Palestine, so I understand you may disagree with me, but just send an email. No need to blow anything up. You work towards blowing things up. Don't blow up right off the bat. Angry email. another angry email. There you will see another part of the nation of Israel, but not all of them. Curse at least that many. So Balak took Balaam to the plateau of Zophim on Pisgah Peak. He built seven altars there and offered a young bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to the king, Stand here by your burnt offerings while I go over there to meet the Lord. And the Lord met Balaam and gave him a message. Then he said, go back to Balak and give him my message. So Balaam returned and found the king standing beside his burnt offerings with all the officials of Moab. So this is a king, not some dummy. It's a king paying a high-level spiritual person to curse God's people. In the His numbers, were they in the Old Covenant or the New Covenant? So they're not even in, there's no blood of Jesus Christ. There's no redemption They're just followers of God and have a relationship with him through the blood of bulls and goats. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, we now have a better covenant. We now have a better covenant built on better promises. So we know they had a worse covenant built on worse promises. But look, and they didn't have authority over the devil like a New Testament Christian has. Do you remember when Jesus started casting out devils? They said, who is this man that even the demons obey him? Elijah never cast out a devil. Elisha never cast out a devil. The closest thing you see to it in the Old Testament is David playing the harp, and when the anointing would come on his music, it made an atmosphere where the spirit that troubled Paul or Saul from the outside couldn't stay and would leave him alone. But there was no casting out of devils because when Adam sinned, he transferred dominion out of the hand of man into the hand of the devil. Which is why Satan's called in Second Corinthians chapters four, chapter four, verse four, I believe, Satan, the God of this world, small G, because the keys were given to Adam. Adam forfeited those keys to Satan, and I'm going to try to talk slower because because I don't want to rush through this. It'd be the first time a lot of people are hearing this online, and maybe even some here. When Adam sinned, he lost dominion to Satan. The Bible says in Romans six sixteen, Romans chapter six, verse sixteen. Whoever you obey is your master. When Adam made the decision to obey Satan instead of God, he became man, not just Adam. Mankind came under the dominion of Satan. That's why when Jesus came on the scene, he's referred to as the second Adam. He came in the flesh, and when he fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, Luke chapter 4, Satan said, Bow down and worship me. For the wealth and kingdoms of this world are mine to give to whomever I choose, for they have been delivered unto me. The wealth and kingdoms of this world are mine to give to whomever I choose because they've been delivered unto me. Referencing that. That's why Jesus didn't say, you're a liar, devil. No, what he was saying was a true statement. The devil is a liar, but he's happy to use the truth if it suits him. You got a big cancerous tumor on your neck. He'd be happy to let you know every time you look in the mirror, you got a big cancerous tumor on your neck. And so Jesus didn't say you're a liar. He never challenged it because it was a true statement. He just quoted the word and said, the the word says, you should worship only the Lord your God. And resisted the devil. Tempted in all points as we are, yet sin not. Then when he died on the cross and shed his innocent blood, he broke the power of the devil for those who believe. Everybody say, for those those who believe. This is where the people that get into the grace message and the quote unquote gospel of grace miss it is what the, it's it's a simple subtle thing they take everything that Christ did and say it applies to everybody automatically it can apply to everyone Christ died for the whole world but the whole world's not going to heaven they all have the opportunity to go to heaven. But unless they believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and repent, they won't be saved. Some of these people that you hear preach, I don't know who's going to hell. I mean, no, our sins don't send us to hell. I mean, no, no matter, you couldn't, you couldn't work your way into God's righteousness, so you can't work your way out of God's righteousness. Okay, then explain to me who's going to hell. Because Jesus, who I consider an expert in the Christian faith... He said, broad is the way for the many broad is the way large is the highway in the new living translation that leads to hell for the many who choose the easy way, but the path that leads to heaven is straight and narrow. And only a few there be that find it. When you hear these people preach, you know, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to give, you don't have to witness they 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 they're, they're, I don't know what they're point is and many times if you wait about seven years it comes out why they were so high on grace grace is not a covering for sin grace is an empowerment to live in victory over sin because if the purpose of grace was to cover your sin there would have been no reason for Jesus Christ to be full of grace. He was born without sin, and he never sinned. He was full of grace because grace is spiritual power to live in victory over all the power of the devil. And I see you emerging even from this opening meeting living in victory over the things that used to live in victory over you. If you believe it, can you say amen? So, you, you, you know, between that grace and I, and I don't want to wander into that because I'll have my hands full material wise just covering the, the demon possession thing. But people get off. They, they don't understand simple things about Scripture. A demon, and I have this in my notes. I'm supposed to cover it minutes from now, but I'll cover it now. A demon focused Christian is always going to be Defeated. There's some Christians, all they ever see are devils. And I don't understand it. The Bible says in Psalm 91, what does it say? I order demons to go with you wherever you go? Or does it say, I order my angels to go with you wherever you go? So even if you have such a keen eye into the supernatural realm, how come you only see demons? How come you never have angelic encounters? You know, there's there's an old pastor from Texas that wrote a bunch of books. It was about, you know, during his ministry, which he ministered almost 70 years. Seven, eight Encounters he had with Christ or with angels, you know, one every 10 years on average, where the Lord told him specific things. That should be the life of a Christian. Not getting demons expelled from you and coughing up, vomit, in, in, into a bucket. I don't read that in the book of x i I was at a meeting, which is why I'm careful which meetings I go to. I was just at the meeting. I like the guy. I don't want to participate if I'm not preaching. I just want to minister. So people say, Jonathan, would you come up? I don't want to pray just let me sit and listen to, to a, a meeting for once. And so I'm there and they go, uh, we're gonna cast the devil out, everybody has a, a demon here. And they brought out these buckets with plastic bags and I thought, oh man, this is not my flow. They go, I see evangelist Jonathan here and I thought, boy, do I wish I had a glasses, plastic nose and mustache right about now. <laughs> I had just bought these new shoes, which at the time were very, is was a large purchase for me. I parted with like 40% of my net worth to buy these dress shoes. And so they had me pray for this kid, and he's already, hey, hey. and they, they grab a bucket for him, and I bent down and whispered in his ear, if you vomit on my shoes, I'm going to kick you in the head. And it was amazing how quickly he stopped coughing. He snapped right out of it, because I knew he didn't have a devil. It's like, it's like a mass hysteria. Let me tell you something on this opening point. Don't anybody get the idea that I'm scoffing or taking lightly demon possession. Demons are real. When Lucifer was thrown out of heaven, one third of the innumerable followed him out of heaven. That's where you get demons from. Yeah. And if you heard something else on a website, stick with what I tell you, because I know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you 2000 years of Orthodox church history. They're not aliens. They're not. Nephilim are not demons. Nephilim are the results of fallen angels cohabitating with women in Genesis 6. When Satan was thrown out of heaven, a third of the angels, probably the ones that were under his authority, as one of the three archangels, followed him out. While I'm on the subject and just flowing, let me cover the rest. Why does Satan hate the church so much? Because what was Satan's job? you got three archangels in the Bible. You have Michael, who was in charge of warfare. And by the way, when you read that, well, even Michael said, the Lord rebuke you. So I don't even say, in Jesus' name, come on. I just say, the Lord rebuke you. You see, all through the book of Acts, in Jesus' name... Come out. One time Paul just told the demon inside a girl, come out in his own voice. What, what Jude is dealing with is people that mock demon spirits and mock angels. And those stupid Christians are meeting there. All we are are cells and a collection of matter. That's what he's talking about. They're bound by their immorality and don't want to admit that there's a heaven and hell and afterlife so they can stay soothed in their own sin. Three archangels. Michael in charge of warfare. Gabriel in charge of communication. Messenger angel. And then Lucifer, who was in charge, basically, of the devotional services in heaven. The the worship and adoration and praise to God around the throne. And one day, how did he get thrown out of heaven? He said, I will ascend and be like the Most High God. He left his place. That's how Satan works 95% of the time. He works by getting people to be unsettled with where they're at right now. That's how he got, that's how he got Eve to mess up. I mean, you got the whole Garden of Eden, you got the whole world, you're in charge. And there's one tree you're not to touch. And Satan was able to make you obsessed with the one thing you couldn't have. There's worship leaders that are on their way to hell because they couldn't stay satisfied with leading worship. They sat there enough, and the devil's whispering in their ear. You know, if you got this guy out of the way, you, you could be the one on stage and get the lion share of the money. And out they go traveling and selling tickets, and it works good for seven or eight years. Then they post a photo of their no-no places on Instagram or whatever. They got out from under a pastor. That's what Satan does. Satan can take a perfectly good marriage and get you to hate the wife that you once loved, hate the I deserve more. My husband doesn't treat me right. My wife doesn't treat me right. Anytime you're feeling sorry for yourself or feeling entitled to something, you know, it's Lucifer talking to you. That's never the Holy ghost. The Holy ghost talks about contentment and with contentment, there's great gain for many going after wealth have pierced themselves with many sorrows. That's the devil's playbook. I'm going to have you say again, what I had you say at the beginning, say the devil has no new tricks get you obsessed with what you don't have rather than thanking god for what you had what moron would be one of the top three angels in the universe that's adorned with, with, with clothes so magnificent, the Bible says in Ezekiel and Isaiah, and I'll just say, thank you God for making me in this high place uh, uh, as an angel. I'm not standing here right now saying, you know, if God really knew how talented I was, I would be in Seattle in the, in the Mar- Mariner Stadium. That kind of thinking that you're better, and I'll tell you, people don't think they have that spirit, but they do. Anybody that's online criticizing Joel Osteen, that's a minute. What are they saying? I actually am a better preacher than him I should be pastoring that many people but but people don't know what they're doing Anytime you look at somebody else and say I should be where they're at God made a mistake in promoting that person you are following down Lucifer's trail Every time you start thinking about what people owe you what people should have done better for you Get your mind going in the opposite direction and start thinking about who blessed you that had no reason to ever bless you. Start sending thank you cards out. That's why gratitude is so emphasized in the Bible, because the more you stay in a mode of thanksgiving, it shuts you off to the attack of the devil, because you're not saying, why can't I have the fruit of that tree? You're saying, thank you for the garden of Eden. Thank you for where you've put me. Thank you for a roof over my head. Thank you for shoes on my feet. Thank you for food to put in my belly. I give you thanks and thanksgiving shuts off the door of the devil that's why it's emphasized so strong in the Bible praise God and give him thanks because if you don't you get in the other position I should be getting paid more no one cares about me people don't visit me no one cares about what I have to say when you start thinking like that you open yourself up to to demon spirits getting unsettled I deserve a better wife I deserve a, a handsomer husband. I deserve a bigger home. I deserve somebody that takes care of me and values me the way I should be valued. Get ready for an affair. Get ready for some type of sin because you're letting your mind travel down a wicked path. I shut that off today in the name of Jesus Christ. If you receive it, can you say amen? So anyway, Lucifer gets thrown out of prison or out of heaven and he's in charge of the worship services in heaven. And he said, I will ascend and be like the most high God. So who replaced Lucifer? And to replace the worship that was given to God in heaven, God, the crowning act of redemption through Jesus Christ was to establish something called the church, which is tasked with returning praise unto God. And the thing that Satan wanted to have that he didn't get, we got. I will be like the most high God. Well, God didn't make an angel to replace him. God created a new thing that had never been heard of before called man. And he didn't make man in the image of angels. He made man in his own image and in his own likeness, tasked with the job of doing what Lucifer did. That's why the devil is committed to the destruction of the church. Because Satan is essentially an unemployed angel. He has no job. He lost his job, and anybody that's ever got fired, whether you like it or not, you just automatically hate the person who took your place. Never met the guy before, but you look up on Facebook. What's his name? Jim Burnley. I hate that Jim Burnley. He's not better than me. I could work that job better than him. Well, that's how Satan's roaming the earth, muttering under his breath. I hate those people. You know what I wondered one time? How come? One time I was watching my Uncle Ted. Anybody know my dad's oldest brother, Ted Shelsworth Sr.? One time he was preaching... At our home church when I was a teenager. And this guy came in off the street that nobody had ever seen before. And when my Uncle Ted started preaching, the guy full out demonically manifested. And my uncle cast the devil out of him. And I was thinking after the service, you know, if I was the devil, why would you wander into the one place that you could get cast out? You know, you had to do all that work to get that guy. Why come to the one place you have a chance of getting cast out? So Lester Sumrall once said, why do demons, you ever notice when there's like strong Holy Ghost services, the amount of demon-possessed people seem to increase? Where would they come from and why would they come? Satan was once in the anointing. Those demons once knew the presence of God. And you know, all the cocaine or heroin or whatever advice people have and demons get to enjoy through people, there's nothing that matches the presence of God. So Lester Sumrall said, occasionally they come in to warm themselves by the fire and experience once what they once had, But lost and that will help you to put in perspective and understand the entirety of what we battle in the church because the devil was thrown out and replaced by us and he doesn't like it. But if you stay in your authority, there's nothing he can do to stop it in Jesus mighty name. You guys are easy to preach to and uh, brother Devin the sound is 20 out of 10. This will be an easy week. Then Balaam said to the king, this message Balaam delivered. Rise up, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man, so he doesn't lie. God is not human, so he doesn't change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? That's Numbers 23, 19. That could arguably be, there's a preacher that I like, he's almost 80 years old. He considers that the key scripture in the whole Bible. And I wouldn't argue against him. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man, so he doesn't lie. He's not human, so he doesn't change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised anything and not carried it through? You know, if you, like the assemblies of God, when they wrote their 16 fundamental truths, their 16 fundamental doctrines, What would you think number one would be? Salvation through Jesus Christ? But it's not. And rightfully so, it's not. Number one is the inerrancy of God's word. Because if the word's errant, then you can do what the United Methodist Church and the United Presbyterian Church and the Church of England are all doing now. Well, we don't believe that. We don't believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. But if if you make the principal thing in your Christianity that God's word is inerrant, you know, I was thinking that I probably can cover all this in one day, and then you start covering it, it's like, I don't know if I can get through it in a week. Because there, there's so much. Say God's word, is God's word is inerrant. You hear people say dumb stuff that, um, uh, you know, they don't realize how dumb they are and, and what they're saying. They'll say, like, well, Jesus never mentioned homosexuality. So, and he, how many of you know Jesus, his words are the most important. No, they're not. I don't know why they put them in red instead of black. That was the printer's decision. But they weren't in red instead of black when they were written down. There's a scripture that says, all scripture is inspired by God. In the original language, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is inspired. Well, that's only mentioned in the Old Testament. All scripture is inspired. Obviously, we understand covenants. That there's things that Christ did away with. That's why I'm not sacrificing bulls and goats. But all scripture is inspired. You must be holy even as I am holy. Christ didn't do away with that on the cross. Jesus gonna go to the cross. I can go on a, on a Grand Theft Auto 5 style rampage after I finish preaching this afternoon. And it's all covered by grace. All scripture is inspired by God. Never catch. We're talking about demonic traps. The first one was getting unsettled. The second one would be taking the word from its rightful place. Everything must be based on the word. You want to know why? I'll be around preaching if Jesus tarries when I'm 60, 70, and 80 years old, and a lot of these guys that have deliverance ministries. And as much as healing is a part of the Bible, if you base your ministry on casting out devils, Or healing. That's it. Prophecy. If you build your ministry on a manifestation of the spirit. Even if it's a genuine manifestation of the spirit. You're going to have problems. Everything has to be built on the word. God honors his word above his name. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. You know old school Pentecostals that I grew up around. They were not like the newer full gospel people. They held the Bible in at least as high a place. As, as Baptists did, in a very high place. P.C. Nelson, those guys, they don't like the modern-day full God. Well, let me read a scripture, or some religious person's going to get mad at me. When I hear people talk like that, I'm off to lunch. I don't even stick I, I around. No, I will not spend another second in the presence of idiocy as much as I can. Sometimes it's not in your control, the door's locked or whatever. But as quick as I can. I think that's what's gonna make heaven heaven is the absence of morons. Can you say amen? It's gonna be amazing driving the streets of gold, everybody signals, people only use the left lane to pass. It's gonna be heaven, amen. Well, let me read a scripture so some religious person gets mad. You know, when you start talking about demon possession in Christians, people disagree. No, I believe a Christian can be demon possessed. Okay, what scripture? Well, I I, my cousin, he was a pastor. And he had to have the a devil cast out of him. And I saw that with my own eyes. Personal experience never trumps what the Bible says. If you build what you believe based on what you've experienced, you may end up in hell. Because the devil can just get you to experience things that are contrary to the word. When you talk to somebody that doesn't believe in divine healing, where do they go? To scripture? No. I had an aunt. She was a, a great praying woman. She was a missionary for 50 years. And she was diagnosed with a disease, and we prayed for her. The whole church fasted for her, and she died. So I don't believe in healing. What have you just done? You've caused your experience to trump the word of God. When the Bible says, those that serve me will not cast their young in the land. In other words, they'll give birth, and they won't miscarry. People say, well, I've had three miscarriages. Well, you got a choice. Are you going to build your theology on what's happened to you and allow that door to stay open? Are you going to say, Father, you said in your word I have a right to have childbirth without miscarriage. I'm going to turn that thing around because I put the word over my experience. And instead of having my experience drag the Bible down, I'm going to have the Bible pull my life up to the standard of heaven. I don't know how many people are watching me concurrently online right now and more I'll watch on the replay if you follow our ministry me and adolis and all the people that god's joined to us and you're here today and this week listening to me i really would like maybe above all other things for you to just have a very high regard for the bible don't follow this this train that's in our modern generation that has no regard for the word of god i could put up scriptures people are gonna laugh i'm not i'm not making jokes. I could put up, not one church, I could put up many, many Sunday morning services from the last two months. There were the pastors dressed up like Ken, and his wife's dressed up like Barbie, and the whole platform's in pink, and we're going to do life lessons from the movie Barbie. It's like the Bible's just got old to people. And then, if somebody doesn't like what the Bible says, then they, I don't believe that part, that was in the Old Testament, that was in the ministry of Jesus, that was in the New Testament, but it was only mentioned twice. So you just pick and choose like a buffet what parts of the Bible you like and what parts that you don't. The Ten Commandments are not pick your favorite eight. And they're not multiple choice. If you'll take the word from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Take it all. Take it raw. Don't let any input from, well, we don't believe. I don't care. I'm going to read the Bible like God gave me that book and it's written to me. And I'm not going to listen to you and say, we don't believe in that. If God said it, he spoke clearly. I believe what he said. And I'm going to abide my life by what God said. If you commit to that today, let heaven hear your hand clap. That in the midst of a generation that mocks the word of God, there's people here that say the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. Well, you know, times have changed. We need to readdress some of the things that Scripture taught. Actually, times haven't changed. The things Paul's addressing in the New Testament is worse than what people are doing right now. Paul had to write a chapter about a man that was sleeping with his father's wife. which I'm going to read you as a a text coming up because it deals with what I'm talking about. There's always been sexual immorality and witchcraft. Read the Roman Empire. It it actually, and I'm no fan of Washington, D.C., what was going on in Rome was far worse Because at least they're hiding the stuff. They were openly, open pedophile parties. Every man, senator, had, had a boy. It was part of Greek culture that they slept with all that and the devil's trying to bring it back right now but I got news for the devil one thing you're going to learn about God and about demonology is the devil's not in charge of the church Jesus said I will build my church I'll build my church in Oregon I'll build my church in Salem I'll build my church in Portland and there's not a thing that every witch can do about it because greater is he who lives in you go ahead celebrate it than he that's in the world Well, let me get back to what I started with. If Adam had dominion and he lost it to Satan, and then part of what Jesus did was he went to the lowest parts of the earth, the Bible says, and took the keys from him. He took them. God, God the Father told him he was going to take him. Genesis 3.15, you have bruised Adam's heel, but I will send another Adam who will crush your head. I was listening to Pastor Enoch at a boy. He said he, he expects Satan to have a, a caved in part in his skull. Because he said, I take the Bible literally. I don't, he said, I don't believe that God, that Christ asked Satan if he could please have the keys. I believe he caved his forehead in and took the keys when he was unconscious. Can you say amen? You have bruised his heel, but I will send another who will crush your head. Then when we see Jesus in Revelation 1, put a marker in Numbers 23. Go to Revelation 1. Anybody getting anything out of today? Revelation 1. What does Jesus look like now? Verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. Romans 1.11. It said, write in a book everything you see. Send it to the seven churches in the city of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the son of man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. So he's not nailed to the cross. I'm not picking on Catholics, but he's not nailed to the cross emaciated with a sad look on his face. He rose in victory, and he never lost the victory, and he never will lose the victory. There's nothing that has the capacity to take the victory from him. Jesus doesn't have to make sure he doesn't miss his devotions every morning or he'll lose the victory. He's the most high. And he's actually, after he left heaven and came back, God put him in an even higher place in heaven. And he became head, even his name has dominion over all things, in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. Can you say amen? His feet were like bronze refined in the furnace. His voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. I mean, that's the opposite of how I've seen him painted, with a Joe Montana haircut and a frown. He's got a two-edged sword that proceeds from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where people fell in the presence of God. Well, sorry you bought a Bible on discount because somebody ripped Romans 1 out, or Revelation 1. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as one dead. But he, he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died. But look, I am alive and I live forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Is Jesus holding those keys of dominion in favor of your enemy? Or is he holding them in favor of the church? Now, when you get into this, this is why, and here's another thing that I definitely don't have time to talk about. When people make it like it's no big deal whether you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, or post-tribulation rapture well whether whether it's before the tribulation in the middle or at the end when that trumpet sounds I'm getting out of here it's not a, no it is important because it doesn't deal just with end time bible prophecy chiefly it deals with dominion if you believe that you have to go through part of the tribulation then you believe that the devil will somehow at some point regain supremacy over the church so i'd like to understand from your perspective when and how that's going to happen Is Jesus going to give the keys back to the devil for seven years and say, "Now listen, I've been a little hard on you. So here, I'm going to let you do your thing and just run roughshod over my people. No, the rise of the Antichrist necessitates the absence of the church. In fact, let me keep reading. Want to want to see the rapture in a type? And I'm not teaching on the rapture, but watch this. This is interesting. This is the meaning. uh, Okay, so he, he gives them the seven letters. Go to chapter three. Verse 21, those who are victorious, chapter 3, Revelation 3, 21, those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Um, Mr. Kaufman, can you pull up the uh, Camden, New Jersey week of meetings that we did? I just want to show people some examples of what I'm talking about. The Camden crusade in New Jersey. Just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne, anyone with ears, To hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Church and churches are mentioned 19 times between Revelation 1-1 and the end of chapter 3. And then this happens, and it's never mentioned again. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, come up hither, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly, in the twinkling of an eye, I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. And from that point forward, the church is never referenced again. So you have a letter to all seven church ages. Then John's pulled up into heaven. And then from that point forward, and this is what people don't get. These pre-tribulation people, they're afraid of, of judgment. No. What they don't understand, they're not willing to suffer. Pastor Lou kept his church open. He's an RMIMA. It's a pre-tribulation rapture organization. I am. We, it's not that we're not uh, opposed to, to suffering or whatever. It's that you don't understand. Well, what do you think? There's not going to be any problems on the earth. We can clearly see that all the things that the Bible says are going to happen are happening right now. No, they're not. The beginnings of sorrows are. The wages of sin is what? If I stand in the ocean, how far is the drive? An hour, 20 minutes or so? If I, if I drive about an hour to the ocean and I go stand in there, God doesn't have to make me cold. The ocean will do that. And God doesn't have to make me wet from head to toe. The ocean will take care of that. If you stand in sin, sin brings its own judgment without any help from God. You know, think of this. If I left, this is kind of a harsh example, but if I left the ministry right now, I quit. I'm leaving my wife. And I, I became one of those people that seemed to be growing on social media. I was raised in church. I never got to experience any of the things that are in this world. People told me stuff's a sin. I want to go have fun. And I leave I leave the ministry, call my wife and tell her, best of luck with Camila. I'll send some child support. I'm done with all this. I don't want to live like this anymore. And then when I go back to my hotel like I went last night, and two drug addicts are walking down the street, instead of walking into the hotel, I go, hey, guys, got room for a third? And start walking with them and doing drugs. And then they find me overdosed in six months. There would be Christians that would say, see, God judged him. But God didn't judge me. The meth can kill me all by itself without any help from God. No angels have to get involved. No demons have to get involved. The chemicals that are in that drug are not don't, don't sync up with what my body needs to be. They, you know, the same way they eat. Think about it. When they cook the meth, and this is not a lesson on meth cooking, but <laughs> since we're here for some reason, might as well finish the thought. You know, you think about it. When they cook that stuff, And it corrodes the inside of the trailer and eats the metal away. What do you think it does to your insides? That's why why it takes your teeth out and stuff. So if I do that, that meth is going to kill me or heroin or whatever is going to kill me without God doing anything. The things that you're seeing happening right now in the world are the payload of sin by itself. Where there's more sin in a city, there's more trouble because there's more problem that sin brings. And it opens the doors to unclean spirits. That's why you don't, yes, we live, I'm not trying to get the church uninvolved from politics. They need to be more involved. We have a representative government. Everybody should be represented. There shouldn't be one group that's not represented. How come you Christians are always, because, why aren't you Christians always getting involved in politics? Because we have a representative government. And we live in this country. Genius. Right into our ministry and we'll have somebody pray for you that you have an IQ higher than room temperature. If everybody's allowed to be represented in the nation, and they should be. But that's the lowest form of change. The highest form of change is when revival hits and people start getting born again. They don't want to do those. You don't don't have to outlaw drugs. The heart that wanted drugs has now been replaced with a heart of righteousness that doesn't want to do those things anymore. And that's why I'll say this. The highest form of spiritual warfare, and this is coming from somebody that's cast out a lot of demons. The highest form of spiritual warfare is getting someone born again. Because you have now shut off. Think of this. There'd be many Christians if they found out Joe Biden died this afternoon. I, there'd be people, I, I was praying that God would move him out of office. But you don't understand. He's gone. So what now? He gets replaced with who? Who? Pastor Jeffress from Dallas? No. Another person moves in that they have in the pipeline. I, I you know, well, I won't name names. There's people I did pray out of office during COVID. Somebody came in behind them that was worse than them. There's an endless pipeline. I, I want Nancy Pelosi out, okay? You're going to exchange an 83-year-old person that hates you and hates the church and hates what the Bible stands for with a young 38-year-old. Just flip the numbers. That's even harsher that actually thought she was too soft on that stuff. But if you get one of those people born again, they still serve out that term and they have a completely different view and there's nothing that can stop it. If you want to do real damage to the kingdom of darkness, get fresh people saved. Get people born again. Get the people the devil's using to destroy the nation. Drug dealers, uh, high up people that are giving the pass for the fentanyl to come into Portland. Get them born again. Get them to get their group born again. Get the gangs born again. The motorcycle clubs born again. And suddenly you can legalize anything you want. There's no market for it because the people are hungry for God. You'll notice that most of the people that teach that a Christian can have a demon are also post-tribulation rapture because they go together. Because you believe that the devil can come and usurp his authority back over the church. But he can't. The Antichrist could never be in charge and me still be on the earth. Because one Christian... Okay, I won't use me as an example because people, for whatever reason, they, they see a minister, well, he's, he's different. When really... I have an assignment from God, but everything I have is accessible by anybody that's a Christian. It doesn't say these signs will follow traveling evangelists. It says these signs will follow them who believe. All those who believe. So let me take me out of the example. Who's a, a lady over the age of 60 that's baptized in the Holy Ghost? Put your hand up. Okay. So if she, if she's telling me the truth, if she was alive, On the earth, the Antichrist would not be able to fully manifest if she took her authority. Because she wouldn't have to go hide in the mountains. She could go on Priceline and fly to wherever the Antichrist was and cast the devil out of him and keep doing what God called her to do. Because great, the amens drop off because people don't really believe that. But I'm not wrong. You know, one time I got a little whiny. W-H-I-N-Y. Not boozy. Whiny. During 2020... I think it was like April of 2020. I was talking to my Uncle Ted on the phone. I said, I can't believe all these. I said, I would have thought if I had to bet money, I would have bet there would have been a minimum of 7,500 pastors just in Texas that would have said, we're not shutting our church down. I said, there was like three in Houston, one in Dallas, one in Florida. And he said, uh, he didn't join me in my little pity party. He said, yeah, but did you notice it only took one? He said, any state where one pastor stood up, it actually... Knocked the whole thing down, and it was never able to fully take effect. One. Everybody say one. So I know the scripture says one puts a 1,000 to flight and two 10,000. It's talking about like literal warfare. But then in the spirit, one Christian that's full of the Holy Ghost carries more power than all of hell and Satan himself put together. See, amens are weak because now people won't know what to do with themselves. Now you can't stand in a room with banners going. I have authority if I'm thrashing my arms or if I'm not thrashing my arms. In fact, the more you have to do that, the less authority. Have you ever seen a parent that doesn't have authority? You come back here right now. You don't have authority. That kid's standing there smiling. Did you ever see a parent with authority? My dad would just look at me and I'd pee my pants a little bit. And I was in my early 30s. Oh yeah, it's authority. Sung now, yes, sir. And then you come. I don't have to wave banners. You know, there were there was a movement. I got back in that thing late '80s, early '90s. The spiritual warfare movement, where you'd go to church, you'd sing songs to the devil, Satan, the blood of Jesus. I'm not singing to Satan. The Satan's here, going to sing to Satan, the blood of Jesus is against. That's not praise or worship. Did you know there's not one prayer in the New Testament directed at Satan? When Paul said in the book of Ephesians, I, uh, I pray for you. He didn't say, I bind the devil every day on your behalf. I pray, Satan, you take your hands off the church of Ephesus. Nothing like that. I pray that you would begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power towards us who believe. This is the, I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to quote, this is the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Satan was not trying to get believers focused on possible curses or oppressions or possession they had. He was saying, I pray that you would start to come and do an understanding of not the power you have, the incredible greatness of his power that is extended toward us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him in heavenly places, far above. How much above? Fire. Some principalities, some powers, but not strongholds. Those are different. No, all principalities. All powers, all unclean spirits, and all rulers in the heavenly realms. And he gave that power to the church, which is his body. Peter said, we're all living stones in that house. The Bible says, greater is he who lives where? Then how many of them that live in the world? Every last one of them. And you never saw a clearer example of that than during the COVID lockdowns. Because a pastor like my uncle in Virginia Beach, he has it on video. All the sheriffs come. If you're meeting here next week, we're going to have to arrest you. How come you don't arrest me this week? Just the threat lets you know you don't have the power to do what you're saying. If I'm stabbing someone on the sidewalk, a cop does and say, you're still doing that tomorrow morning. You're going to be in huge trouble. (laughs) I'm going to let you get 15 or 20 more good ones in. but If something's illegal, you're arrested immediately. So the very fact that you were threatened showed they didn't have the power. Look at the governor in New Mexico now. I'm suspending all concealed carry and open carry in the state. It was smacked down in a week. Nobody listened. You can't just say you're threatening. You don't have the power to do what you're saying you're going to do. The devil is great at threatening and very poor at execution and fighting. So if you allow his words, I just got a report from the doctor and I'm praying, but whose report? Why are you going out getting second reports? I believe the report of the Lord. Then what are you doing going getting stuff to get another report? Paying money to go get a report you're not going to believe anyway? I believe you kind of believe it. You know, I'm not believing it. No, I don't believe you. You, you, know, you know how to get into the Christian world and talk that talk. I'm, I refuse to be worried. The Bible says refuse to be worried about anything. But in everything, in prayer and supplication, make your requests known unto God. Amen. So... They didn't have power to do it. Reverend, if you, have, if you shut this church down, we're going to arrest you. Well, I'm not shutting it. My uncle said, then see you, tomorrow, see you next week at 10 a.m. and bring more than one squad car, <laughs> which scared them. They never came back. And then he was running. <laughs> now that it's over, I guess we can say this. It's hilarious. Everybody say, I can outthink the devil. Say, I, I can outthink the devil in my sleep. In my sleep. Yeah, he has a debased mind. You have an anointed mind. So my uncle had a pretend outdoor service going on to shield from the real service that was going on inside. <laughs> they had a few people sit outside and the guy was pretend preaching. So when the cops drove by, I'm like, well, okay, they're complying. Meanwhile, the church was inside packed. It was an imaginary service. Amen. <laughs> people imaginary getting sick. If there's anyone here in this fake crowd that would like to surrender, you're like, a sinner's coming home. The cops are running. All right. (laughs) Can you say amen? Amen. Yeah. So as lonely as I'm sure it felt for Pastor Lou in Salem, and as lonely at the time as it felt for Dr. Rodney in Tampa and different people, and man, I'm the only one, but it only takes one, one person standing in their authority. And that's why, what got me on this subject. That's how you know the Antichrist can't come until all the believers are gone. Because one believer carries more power than all demons and Satan and witches and wizards and warlocks and principalities combined. Greater is he, the Holy Ghost, who lives in you. You know, I I don't know about that. You know, because there's a lot of witches here. Let me ask you a question. If all the witches teamed up together and attacked the Holy Ghost, would he get injured? Would they die? Yes. So, where is the Holy Spirit? Who does he live in? Me. Everybody say me. me. So, if every witch in Oregon teamed up and said, We're going to take her out, can the curse causeless come? Well, you know, I know that's true, but then you have to understand there's like a major principality in Oregon. Oh, yeah? What do you do? Go out to lunch with them? How do you know so much about the, the devil? No, there, in 1867, there was actually a witch in Salem, and she put a curse over the whole city, and that curse has never been broken. Oh, yeah. What do you, what do you take, like a master's degree in witch history? <laughs> Who's keeping these records? <laughs> Says who? No, it was, it was written on a tree in a forest. I saw it. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. I got so sick of hearing that when I was going to preach different places. Jonathan, I heard you're going to do a crusade in Philadelphia. You should know there's a major principality of violence here. I would say, well, let it know. I'm going to be in town August 10th through the 17th. And if it's smart, it'll clear out on its own. And if it doesn't, I'll clear it out. Because God didn't send me in Philadelphia to glorify the devil or have the devil throw me out. I came there to throw him out and take all his captives, Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God. I'm not scoffing at the devil. I'm glorifying the one who ransomed me out of his grip and glorifying the power that he gave to the church. We're not a match for the devil we're far above not above far above all witches all rulers all powers the world economic form every wicked person is under the authority of Christ that's in the believer go ahead take 30 seconds and clap and shout go ahead let it rip I have um, Brother Tony and his wife, Gloria, with me, and we were talking on the plane. He said, do you ever feel different things, different places you preach? Sure. You can tell when a place has been broken up, open before or if you're the first man in. You can tell, but I, I don't really care because there's nothing that can be in a region that the preaching of God's word won't blow out of the room. <laughs> you could load this crowd with high-level Satanists, and some would leave... Some would get saved. But, but there would be no them overwhelming me or ruining the meeting. I would ruin their meeting. In fact, I guarantee you, if anybody's practicing witchcraft within 50 miles of here, they were having trouble last night getting their stuff to work. Something didn't feel right. Like taking a shower with your socks on. Something felt off. That something's not right. And if they could hone in on it, We've actually had witches come to our meeting and say we were having trouble what we were doing this week and we've traced the problem to this building. That's right. Because darkness can't overpower light. But light expels darkness cheaply and for free and I tell you that light is Jesus Christ and he said while I'm in the world I'm the light of the world but after I leave you are the light of the world and darkness can't extinguish it I said the darkness can't extinguish it in Jesus name go ahead take another 30 seconds and rejoice (laughs) lift him up the light of the world light of the world Somebody say, light of, the world. light of the world. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But after I leave, ye are the light of the world. Darkness cannot extinguish light, light drives out darkness. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 5. So, whatever you believe about demons and stuff, you're welcome to believe it. But You know, and if you want to be a modern American Christian, well, my cousin, I know what I saw. Okay, then you can go with that. I can't help people that don't put the Bible in its rightful place. My mother always said, and she was a holy, I don't care. She's not a Bible character. You know, the Bible actually says that if an angel comes and preaches a different gospel to you, let that angel be accursed. Nobody has the power to go over the Bible. I don't don't care who they are. When you reach 2 million YouTube subscribers, you're not over the Bible. doesn't matter. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Build what you believe on the Bible. Don't make the Bible conform to the things you've decided to believe. 1 Samuel chapter 5. This is a great illustration. So the Philistines capture the Ark of the Covenant, which was a box that housed the glory and power of God. Not knowing what they have, they put it in their main temple next to their main demonic God. And this is what happened. 1 Samuel 5.1 After the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they moved it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod, they carried the ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of the covenant. So they took Dagon and put him in his place again. Not bright people. It never happened before. <laughs> then they come in the next morning. But when the citizens of Ashton went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him in his place again. But the next morning, the same thing happened. But this time, he fell so violently that his head and hands had broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was intact. That box wasn't praying. That box wasn't fasting. it's a box. But it just carried the presence of God. When that box sat idle, I-D-L-E, next to an idol, I-D-O-L, the power that was coming out of that box knocked a literal statue to the ground. Then when they set it back up, it knocked it down a second time and threw it down so violently that its head broke off and its hands broke off. So from there, let's ascertain a few things. Can God's glory inhabit the same temple as, as demon power? Amen. No. They, they go to war against each other, and one drives the other out. And the one that drives the other out, <laughs> it's not the devil that drives God out. Amen. Anybody ever hear the old evangelist R.W. Shambach? Yeah. He was preaching one time in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and a lady comes in the back, long flowing robes. You know, the, the staff with the skull, whole thing. This is, I'm not mocking witchcraft. You know, anybody ever see my, my co laborer in the gospel, pa- Pastor Kofi, that, that's the head pastor of Avival Today Church? You know, he's from rural Ghana. I know about West African witchcraft. I know there's people there that when they tell you you're going to die, you're dead in 20. I'm not knocking that. I'm not scoffing at those things. I am scoffing at the low level of intelligence of a believer, let alone a preacher that knows those things, and gets people to be afraid of something they have dominion over. In my spare time, I like to play video games. One time I was playing a video game, and an ant, A-N-T, not my mom's sister, a six-legged insect, crawled across the desk, got in my vision and distracted me, and I ended up getting shot by a guy in the game because I was distracted, and it irritated me. So I killed the ant. I didn't sit there and say, I hope the other ants don't find out about it. I'm in for a real war now. Before I killed the ant, I didn't say, he might be very strong. I learned in science class that they can lift over 200 times their body weight. In the ant kingdom, I'm sure he might've been valedictorian of ant high school. He might've been a head bodybuilding ant. He might've built the nicest ant hill known to man. But me and him ain't in the same class. I'm in a higher class, and if I want to kill him, I don't have to get a weapon or anything. It's the easiest thing I ever did. Because we and him don't belong in the same kingdom. You and the devil aren't in the same kingdom. He's been demoted. You've been elevated. You are seated with Christ. Now, say this out loud. My life is hid in Christ with God. Okay, so let me have a couple of people help me for an example. My friend that the, wore the Steelers color tie to make me feel at home, uh, you come and let me have uh, my friend here in the royal blue shirt. So you be Christ, stand, stand with me, I'm joined with Christ, and then you're God the Father, stand on the outside, face the crowd. Okay, you're right. if you want to get to me, who do you have to go through first? God, who do you have to get through second? Okay, What's, has there been a demon created or Satan himself that can get through those two to me? That's why the Bible says he holds them securely in his right hand and the evil one touches them not. Amen. Not only am I uncurseable. Not only am I unpossessable. I'm untouchable. The Christian who knows their authority is unassailable by redemption in Jesus name. Yeah, go ahead. Great job. Help them get it. Somebody say I'm untouchable. So that, that witch comes in the back. And basically, this is what, this is what wrecks people. It's not, that the, it's not the devil. It's the fear that people have. And when you get into the strongholds being dealt with in the mind, when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, casting down every vain imagination, if you're a pastor that thinks because that witch is there, she's going to hinder your meeting, then you're the one with the problem. It's not her power. It's your stupidity. Bishop David Oyedepo, who pastors the largest church on planet Earth, said the only mountain a Christian will ever have to move is the mountain of their own ignorance. My people are destroyed, not for an abundance of demons. My people are destroyed for a lack of... There's actually more witches per capita. Jonathan, I heard you're going to Oregon. There's actually more witches per capita in in that state than any state in the United States. Says who? The witch census? Witch Pew Research Group. When you understand redemption, if you don't understand redemption, and you've been in the church a long time, I feel bad for you, son. But if you understand redemption, you might have 99 problems, but a witch ain't one. So Brother Shambuck's up on the platform, and the pastors up on the platform with him. See that lady? She's the head witch. But well, first of all, I don't even know how they get that. She's the head witch. So what do they, what do they have, like, a special parking spot for her broom? <laughs> witch of the year? Where do you get this? People talk freaking nonsense. Yeah. So <laughs> she, she's here right now, and they say, you know, they start going into emergency tongues. <laughs> You know whether it whether you're praying in tongues or praying in English, the only thing that gives your prayer power is faith. Amen. So if you go into fear tongues, you're just being fearful in another language. <laughs> Brother Shambach grabbed the mic out of the worship leader's hand. Pointed at her and went, Bring that woman down here. I'm going to cast the devil out of her. And she shrieked and ran out the back of the auditorium. And they never heard those drums beat again that would beat every night out in the forest. Oh, yeah. The devil knows when he's picked a fight with somebody that's over his level. And I'm telling you, from somebody that's cast out demons in many countries, you know, and you hear people say, You're going to, when you go to Africa, you're going to find out the demon power is much stronger. I've actually found it equally weak in every part of the world. (laughs) They have the same girlish shriek every time you cast them out. <laughs> Never heard a strong one. Never heard somebody usurp the name of Jesus. But I will tell you what I know. Amen. That is, if they look at you and they know whether you know or not. If you're a uh, brother and if you'd come, if someone could sing a song about the blood. And you do that. They'll put on a nice four hour show for you. Yes. Thrash around. You want to ask it its name. What is your name? Jesus asked. He knew who they were. He did it one time. It's never done again in the Bible. Somebody breaks into my house. I don't care what their name is. I don't care where they come from. I don't care who their cousin is. You're going to die today. Whatever your name is. I'm not going to take four hours either. I'm going to defend my family and defend my house. The devil, when he looks in your eye. Knows whether you know or not. And brother from today, when he looks in your eye, he's going to see a man of God that knows that 2,000 years ago, the blood of Jesus stripped him of all his power. You don't have the keys. My older brother has the keys. I've been made one with him. You don't have authority over me. I have authority over all your power. You don't have power over me. I've been given power over all the power of the devil. If you believe it, shout a living amen. So you can pretty well ascertain from that that one thing's going to drive the other out. You're not going to have the Holy Ghost share a tent with an idol or demon power. One will knock the other one out. Turn to John chapter 1. That box wasn't fasting. That box wasn't praying. All it was was set beside... Their head idol, and it started destroying the things that were in that temple. Amen. This sounds like a made-up preacher story, but it's real. I had a friend that I led to the Lord that then relapsed on heroin. I hadn't seen him in three months. Then I, when I woke up in the morning, I put my phone on Do Not Disturb. And when I woke up in the morning, I had a text from him at 3-something in the morning. I need help. So I called him. Where are you at? He told me what, house, what drug house he was at. So I did my morning broadcast. This was before we had the church. Then I was going to change out of my suit, but I thought, no, if this place gets raided, I want to look like I'm a preacher that's there to pray for people. (laughs) So I went to to this heroin flop house in a suit and tie, and uh, I had that revelation in my spirit. If the Ark of the Covenant could sit next to the top demon in Philistia before the, the, the work of Christ and knock its head and hands off. Then the Bible says, yeah, but that was the Ark of the Covenant. The Bible says, it was never the will of God to dwell in vessels made by human hands. Know ye not that, who? You are what? The temple of the Holy Ghost. What was in the Ark of the Covenant is in me. The Bible says that you may be partakers of his glory. I'm not going to be a partaker of his glory. I carry God's glory in my being now. So I had an idea. He's sitting on the couch shaking. There's other people in there milling around all on heroin. I went and I thought, if that scripture shows what I think it shows, I'm going to sit on this couch, and what's in me is going to take over this house. What's in this house isn't going to take over me. I'm not recommending this for baby Christians or you came here and you're 14 or whatever. Don't do that. I was in my 30s, and I know what I'm doing. This is my business. So I walked in and sat down. Didn't say a thing. Didn't mumble into... I don't have this view that there's demons here and they're going to... I have a view that I'm here now and and you're going to get hurt. There's a problem. You know what I used to watch before I'd go to preach because I could feel the anointing on it? Is in Tombstone when Wyatt Earp would walk in to that birdhouse casino and tell that guy you're sitting in my chair and then start slapping him in the face and threw him out of his own casino. (laughs) That's, a, that's the best message on deliverance you could ever have in about four minutes. Guy, are you going to pull that gun? He said, I don't need to pull the gun to get the advantage over a tub like you. Just kept slapping him, then said, now get out and grab him by the ear and threw him out of his own building. Yeah, that's what you do as a believer. You can learn more about correct authority watching Tombstone than you can most deliverance ministries, sorry. So I had a feeling. If I sat there, What's in me has the capacity to clear out what's in that whole place, but what's in that place does not have the capacity to clear me out. This story is not going to end with me. I went over to witness to him, and then it turned out I was on. See, that's why you need it. Say this worth with me. A strong spirit. spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.10, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Because now, think of this. As you grow in that power, there comes a time where you can overpower a person in the spirit, I started there at 19 years old. I'll, I'll close here since we have the whole week. I started there at 19 years old. I worked at a um, a call center selling timeshares for vacations. And uh, I was in Bible college, 19. So this guy, it's amazing how the anointing, what it does just by itself. Like you saw the Ark of the Covenant do what it did when they put it there. Did you know the Bible says you have an anointing from the Holy One that you carry with you always? Say this out loud. I'm anointed when I feel anointed. I'm anointed when I don't feel anointed. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. You should wake up in the morning when you still have sleep creases on your face and barely feel like a human being, let alone an anointed child of God. And you should say the opposite. Lift your hands and say, thank you, Father. That I carry an anointing from heaven on my life. In Jesus' name. Start speaking like that. Thank you, God, that you live in this man. You live in these clothes. And where this man in these clothes go today, you go. That your presence goes with me. That your power lives on the inside of me. Can you say amen? amen? So I didn't know anything I'm preaching now. This just happened because it's true. So I'm, I'm working at this place. there's no Christians that work there. I'm not saying that judgmentally, like there were 25 others, but I don't really think they were Christians. No one claimed to be a Christian. Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island. and I'm working. I'm, I'm 19. The people get intrigued by the anointing. That's why Jesus was getting invited places. They never met somebody like you, and they don't know what it is about you, but it, it's the anointing, but they've just sense a difference. They let you feel peaceful, you're different. They're feeling something they never felt before, and it feels good. You make them laugh. You know, if you're a proper Christian, you're not bringing sorrow in. How are you doing? They, oh, let me really be, don't ask me how I'm doing. You're not like that. Not walking around in a shirt, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee, and also don't talk to me after I've had my coffee. <laughs> you might feel that way, but you're not exuding that. So you go in, you lift the room up. So I'd make him laugh. Like I've made you laugh without trying. I mean, I'm, you know, that's the joy of the Lord. Do a message on demons, everyone's laughing the whole time. Because God's not uptight. In his presence, his fullness of joy. at His right hand pleasure forevermore. Yeah, so, and I know, I'm sure there's people that have to go at, at noon. I'm not, you're free to go. Obviously, it's not a cult. You can go whenever you want. But if you give me a couple more minutes, I'll, I'll wrap up. This has been an enjoyable day together. Say, say this out loud. What I have, what I have on the inside, on the inside takes, over takes over what's on the outside. So I'm the only one saved there. I don't know much. But the head of the floor starts coming over to me. Where do you go to college around here? You go to Providence College or uh, Johnson and Wales? or No, I, what's the name of the college you go to? Zion Bible Institute. Oh, what do you study there? I went, I'll give you one guess. <laughs> and he thought that was funny. He goes, well, what are you studying the Bible for? I said, I'm going to be a minister. He said, like a priest? I said, no. He want to know what the difference is? I said, I can get married. That's the main difference. That was really what interested me the most when I was choosing between Catholic and Protestant. I have to swear off women forever. Okay, enjoy yourselves. I'm going over it with these guys. So, yeah, it was a very difficult decision. So, uh, he just he would tell me. Now you would get yelled at for not pausing your computer. Or for pausing your computer from, from making calls. It was an auto dialer. He thought, Hey, pause your computer and come to my office. Then just started asking me questions about the Bible and stuff. Well, one time, if you think less of me because of this, I can't help it. I had no intention of like leading the Lord. I was just answering his questions. And then one time, you know, everybody say, follow the, follow the Holy Ghost. One time he starts talking and asking more deep questions. And I can tell now it's not general questions about Christianity. The Holy Spirit's working on him. Now, according to the Bible, me and my girlfriend live together. Will I go to heaven? No. Oh, well, now I realize he he doesn't want to know that from a theological point. He wants to know about heaven and whether he's going. So as he starts, so this day, I I, I kind of snap out of my Like, Okay, this is the day. So I said, you want to know why you keep asking me questions? This is my boss, 38 years old, degree in psychology uh, from whatever that school's name is in Worcester, Massachusetts. I remember that. And I'm only 19. But when you have the anointing, it puts you in command. Just like that box was in command in the Temple of Dagon. And that's you. And you wait for You follow the Holy Ghost. You don't barge in and do your thing. But when the door opens, when the hole opens up, lower your shoulder and go through it. I said, you want to know why you're pulling me aside and none of these other people? And asking me questions about the Bible? I said, because deep down, you know I'm telling you the truth. And I said, I'm not, I'm not a mystic. But I don't think it's an accident that the Lord had me work here, and then me and you meet, and you like me, and you like what I'm telling you. I said, but now, it's been enough with the questions. Now, the Bible puts you to a decision. Whether you believe Jesus is a liar, or a nutcase, or whether he actually is the Son of God. And I said, the truth is, deep down, the reason you keep pulling me is you know this stuff's true. He asked me more questions. I remember... Why I knew it was the Holy Spirit was it was freaking me out. Because every time he asked me a question, I answered it with the scripture. And I didn't have memory flashcards. It was coming right from here. Well, what about this? I'd say the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3. And I was thinking even in my head while I'm saying it. Well, he doesn't care what the Bible. He doesn't even know what a chapter and verse is. But the word carries power. Answer with the word. Yeah, what about this? The Bible says this. Well, work ended at 9 p.m. I worked 2 to 9 we're still talking. 10 p.m. we had to clear out of the skyscraper because they just lease a floor, you know. You have to be out and they're going to lock up. So I follow him to his vehicle at his request. I still remember standing under that orange fluorescent light by his vehicle. And as I'm answering him out of the Bible, I'm not telling him, you know, my mom died of cancer. And I'm not saying anything. I'm just answering with the Bible. He's crying and trying not to cry because the Bible hits people in their spirit. doesn't go into the head. It goes into the heart of a man. And then I said, now it's time to pray. I said, it's time to receive Jesus as your Savior. You know these things are true. And he shook his head, yes, I'd like that. I led him in the prayer. He three or four times. We held hands in that parking garage at 11, 10 at night as he's crying and shaking his head. Yes, I know, I know. That's right, yes, and pray, praying. And then receives Christ and gives me a hug. Well, then it keeps going. Then he invites me. I thought he ran the company. Turns out there's a floor one level up where the real owner was. Now he, they have me pause my screen out and go talk to him. He wants to know about Bible prophecy. This is the year 2000 where we're in a, you know getting ready to go into Iraq and all that. Where, uh, what do you think about this stuff in the Middle East? I said, well, you don't have to think about it. I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. I'll tell you what the Bible says. Is it, it going to get better? I said, no. I told him what the Bible says in Ezekiel 38. I told him about Armageddon. This is right at the beginning of it. All these guys are going to ramp up and attack Israel. And when they do, Christ is going to return and wipe those armies off the face of the earth. Push into a new world order, new world government. That's all in the Bible. Well, that that doesn't exactly calm somebody that's not saved. They went, oh, yeah, things will get better. Oh, no, it's not going to get better. You, you, a lot of people are going to die. Oh. Then you keep telling them, but they know you're telling the truth. Now, I'm getting paid $20 an hour to go sit in this guy's office and talk to him about Bible prophecy. That's why when the Bible says a man's gift makes room for him, that's what it means. You don't have to push yourself. The anointing will always cause you to rise to the top in Jesus' mighty name. I said the anointing, you today, the anointing that's on your life that's being stirred right now, it's going to bring you higher not lower. Like Joseph, you're going to become the top everywhere they put you in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, can you say aloud, amen? amen? Say, I'm going to the top. This guy, now think of this, this guy that owned the company, he had just got out of federal prison for money stuff, for stealing from employees. You know what he did to me? Let me ask you a question. Do ravens bring food to a picnic or take food from a picnic? But what did they do for Elijah? Yeah, the thief brought him food. The guy that was sitting next to me at work had to go to federal court for not paying child support. But he was having the child support automatically deducted from his paycheck. The boss was deducting his child support and keeping it in the company. But not for me. For me, he said, listen, I've had you up here talking to me all week. You haven't been able to make any sales. He said, I'm going to find out whatever the top commission salesman got and cut you a check for whatever his commission was. So it sounds good to me. That sounds like a good deal. Nothing more to negotiate. So then he starts making a deal with me. Now that owner never got safe, but he starts making a deal with me. I start getting invitations to preach while I'm in Bible school. So I said to him, you know, you weren't allowed to miss any days. It was, it, it was a, it was a week by week job. If you weren't selling, you were out. If you sold, you could stay. There was no vacation time or anything. So I told Jeff, I said, um, I'm, I got an invitation to go preach for a week in New Brunswick. I don't know what pastor opens his church up Sunday through Friday to a 19-year-old that's not out of Bible school yet, but this guy wanted to, so fine with me. And I said, I, so obviously I got to go. I appreciate it. He said, no, no, don't go. He said, how's this? From now on, just go preach whenever you want. You don't even have to call out of work. Just come when you're, when you're here. We like having you here. Everybody say Favor. Favor. I come back from that first meeting with my offering from Canada. And then he, I go to my box, they have a paycheck for that week, plus commission check. So I walked to him and I said, hey, they cut me a check for the week I was preaching. I wanted to give it back to you. He, he slid it back across the desk. He said, no, I want to help you with what you're doing. So we did the same thing and paid you as if you worked a week, plus gave you the top guy's commission. Oh, yeah. That, now... You understand why I believe in prosperity now? I didn't believe in it back then. But enough stuff like that happens to you, you start thinking, "I don't think this is Satan trying to fund my ministry. I think this is God saying you're doing a good job and I'm going to help you. Where other people tried to hurt you, I'm going to help you." There are people here, I'm telling you this, between now and December 31st, as much as people used to come out of the woodwork to hurt you, God's going to start sending helpers into your path that have no reason to do it, that usually hurt, usually steal, but God's God's favor is going to bring you a blessing. Because when you're redeemed, you shouldn't expect trouble. You should expect a miracle. And God has a miracle for you. Somebody say, I expect a miracle. miracle. I'm not finished yet. 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 Neither am I. (laughs) September 11th, 2001. The Twin Towers go down. What was it? A Tuesday, if I remember right. And uh, there's still work, two to ten. They never called us and said work's canceled or anything. So I went. People were crying their eyes out. It was one of the worst days there ever was. And so I'm sitting there, 72 of us on the floor, and Jeff is crying. Today's one of the worst things that you know. And then if you don't, if you weren't alive back then or old enough to really remember, we know now that a few places got hit. There was no guarantee it was over. You know, we're working in a skyscraper in Providence an hour and a half from New York. People are freaked out. I was not freaked out. Even if a plane hit, hit the th- You know, I was living in a Bible college dormitory, which is like an Afghani interrogation room with worse plumbing. If a plane was coming towards the building, I'd, heaven sounded sweeter. Amen. So I'm sitting there. And everyone's crying. And then um, this actually happened. Jeff goes, I know today's a very hard day. Anyone that doesn't want to work doesn't have to work. But before you leave, I want to do something for you. Never talk to me. I'm, I, what would I have been 2001? September 11th, I'd have been uh, 20, getting ready to turn 21. Sitting there in wind pants and like a soccer jersey. How many of you know Jonathan Shuttlesworth? Most people raise their hand. i had been there a while. Well, as you know, Jonathan is a minister, which I wasn't yet. Jonathan's a minister, and he helps a lot of people, which I hadn't. I'd helped very few people. Jonathan's helped a lot of people, including me. Gives He's prayed for me. He's helped me. He's helped the owner of this company. And I know a lot of you need help today. He said, so our call center is not set up with counseling or grief. We don't have any of that here. But we have an office in the back and I'm going to have Jonathan set up in there and then just w- wait in line and he's going to take you one at a time and whatever's on your heart or, or if you need help or prayer, he's going to be back there. Well, 72 employees, they all didn't stay. But I'd say about 38, 42 in there stayed and came in one at a time and prayed the sinner's prayer with me in that moment of grief. I'm telling you that I'm telling you that, and that's in Rhode Island. Cold New England's cold and the spiritual climate's cold in New England. You're cold. You're dead. You're the problem. Your mouth is the problem. Oregon is just so opposed to You're the problem. You, you are like a demon. Using your mouth to, to speak up the enemies of God. You know why I brought that up? Not so you could hear some great preacher testimony of how I led a bunch of coworkers to the Lord to inspire you to do it. Because when you put the ark In the temple of Dagon. The thing that's in that ark starts to take over the atmosphere that's there. And that's what happened. At 19, I went in the lone Christian. And by the time I was done. When I had to leave that company to go into full-time ministry, line of people, executives and everybody, give me a hug. Are you sure you don't want to stay? You know what they offered? We'll pay you a salary. Just come in when you're home. Same as in Bible college. But I just knew, as good a setup as that was, that I needed to leave like the disciples. We've left everything to follow you. That if I had that to fall back on, that guy was going to pay me every week plus commission to fall back. I'd have been fine. He was concerned about me. Do you have any meetings lined up now? I have two. What about when those are over? Well, I don't know, but God will take care of me. He said, yeah, but just let us pay you. We'll take care of you. Where are you going? I'm going to preach a youth camp. What do those pay? Not much. Well, let me pay. Like he's my dad. Yeah, that's the anointing. And some people, when you get into this demon-focused, cursed-focused, it gets your mind and spirit going in the wrong direction. You start looking for demons and curses and problems. I had a butterfly land on my window today. It had the reddest, most evil eyes. You got a lantern bug that's thrown off your whole spirituality. Because you're looking for curse. You're looking for demons. I think I have a curse in my bloodline. No, but I'm telling you if you'll get your spirit in the other direction, in the word direction, the Bible doesn't say surely curses and calamity will follow me all the days of my life. It doesn't say surely witches and demons will follow me all the days of my life. It says surely goodness and mercy. And I came to tell you in Oregon, surely, not hopefully, surely goodness and mercy will follow you every day day of your life. Don't expect a curse. Don't expect a witch. Don't expect a demon. Expect a miracle. Expect a blessing. Expect goodness. If I was not convinced that I would see the goodness of the Lord while I was in the land of the living, I would have been consumed. But I'm convinced God's got a miracle and a blessing with my name on it. So rejoice and be glad for the Lord has given you the victory come on one more time take 30 seconds let everything that has breath praise ye the lord i'm praising my blessings down you cannot curse what god has blessed come on 30 more seconds lift it up lift it give him glory for he's worthy Worthy. Worthy. You can't curse what God has blessed. Can't curse me. Somebody say I'm uncursable. Say I'm untouchable. Say I'm unassailable." unassailable. Can I tell you some news? The last battle you ever lost will be the last battle you ever lose. From this day forward, no more ups and downs, just ups and ups. From glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. That's what the Bible says. How many of you know you can't go from one mountaintop to the other without going through a valley? That's not even true, true geographically. Never heard of multiple peaks? No, there are some mountains that go like this. They don't go like this. So your analogy doesn't even work from a geographical standpoint. Secondly, this isn't geography class. I will make you the head. And how many times the tail? I will put you on top. How many times at the bottom? How many times? I mean, sometimes we all know. Never. It's not difficult to understand. Make sure that no man beguiles you from the simplicity of the gospel. And leads you back into your former bondage. You don't have a demon of alcoholism. No, you don't. I'll I'll get to it tomorrow. That man that was sleeping with his father's wife in church. What did Paul say? I'm going to come back to Corinth and have a deliverance service and cast the demon of lust out of him. He said, tell him to knock it off. That's West Virginia translation. Tell him to knock it off or I'll come down and, and throw him out personally. Amen. Then when you read 2 Corinthians, he says he suffered enough and bring him back into the church. Yeah. Who told you you can have a demon take over? Let me ask you a question. Can Christ be demon possessed? No. That's an easy one. Who are you joined with? Who does the Bible say you've become one with? All right. So if you can't do it to Jesus, you can't do it to me. Because Christ and I, he's the head and I'm the body. And the head and the body don't have different names and different driver's licenses. If a cop pulls me over today, I don't say, Now listen, would you like my head's driver's license or my left hand's driver's license? Or my little toe's license? If I say that, even in Oregon, that might land you in a mental institution. And that takes some effort. No, I got one ID. For My head and my body Because my head and body are one amen. I've been united with Christ amen. The old life is dead All things become new Can you say amen, amen. Can you say it better amen? amen For real Who got something out of today Let me see here. You know it's, I don't know what's wrong with me It's 12, 16, 2 hours and 16 minutes I feel like I did not like give people a full service But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end anyway So we have tonight 7 o'clock I hope you're not disappointed that you're only here for two hours and 15 minutes. Today was more of a Lionsgate movie than a Lord of the Rings movie. And I also want to be mindful. I know people have stuff going on in the afternoon, but I thought we covered a lot of ground today. And you folks are easy to preach to and teach to. I don't, I don't get, get demon-possessed or oppressed. I'm anointed to cast out devils and free the oppressed. So... You can't take people out of a prison that you're in. That's, that'll get you killed. Folks, I'm going to take you all out of prison. But you're also a prisoner. And you're going to die. But if you're a judge on the outside, you can do some damage and help people out. And that's what God made you. He lifted you out of the prison of sin. Never to go back again. He lifted you out of the prison of addiction. Never to go back again. Can you say Amen. Lift both hands all over this place. Is Sister Clarita here. Can I get a little? I sing praises to your name. Every hand lifted. You might know this song. If you don't just enjoy the presence of God, I sing praises to your name, oh Lord. For I your name sing is great. Praises to your name. Thank you, Jesus. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord. For your name is great. For your name is great. And great to be praised. Oh, oh. I sing sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord. Praises to your, your name. Oh Lord, for your Lord, is name. It's great it's and to to be be oh, great Lord, oh, Lord, Lord, Sing Lord, to your to your Lord, Praises to your name, oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus. For your name you, is great and great. One more time with everything that's in. Thank you, Jesus. I sing praises to your name. We love you, Jesus. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Blessed be your name, oh Lord Jesus. Oh Lord, we worship. Lord, for your name is great and great to be praised. With every hand lifted. Now step into the mentality of the word today. Because some of you just out of heaven. Could I have prayer? How about just taking what the Bible says is yours? That what's in me cannot be overcome by the spirit of this world. What's in me overcomes the spirit of this world. I was not trying to lead anybody to the Lord at that place. I did not go there as an evangelist. I went there to earn money to buy food because the food in Bible college was wasn't good. That the school was in a deficit financially. I think one of the administrators told me they had $1.50 per student per meal. So it wasn't good food. And I did something so that when I didn't like what they were serving, I could go eat and take all my friends out and pay the bill. That was my whole purpose for being there. I wasn't there to tell anybody about Jesus. I was trying to make maximum money to go eat. And just that, me being there, something started to go to work. Didn't happen in one week. Everything I told you happened over a year and a half. Don't let the dough. Don't be weary and well doing. I've been, I haven't seen any of that. We walk by faith and not by sight. <laughs> Refuse to allow Satan to get you into that kind of mentality. And you know, we haven't really seen the breakthrough. You know, there's pastors that, whose churches are small that then they'll hear me teach on mega church and all that. Well, all right, we have a small church. Yeah, because you're stupid mouth. Are you dead? Is your ministry over? Why wouldn't you say we've had a small church, but God's going to give us quick increase now. Something good is going to happen to me. I'm not staying where I'm at. My house is not going to stay the way it is. Me and my house will serve the Lord. My marriage is whole. My children are blessed. And it all starts, none of that will ever happen until you believe that you being somewhere, when Paul was in prison, he was, the Bible doesn't say for three verses, and Paul was overcome with surprise and passed out. That after he prays, the chains dropped off and the prison doors came open. For he could not believe what was happening. No. He, you drop Paul in a prison, before it's all said and done, the jailer's a convert. And Baptist Bible scholars tell us that jailer was the pastor of the church in Philippi. You put him in prison, a church starts. You shipwreck him on an island, everybody on the island gets healed and he's staying in the governor's mansion. Because he was the Apostle Paul, right? No. All of his letters are trying to get you to understand these things are happening because of what I understand about redemption. And I pray that God would open your eyes to realize that the same thing he's given me, he's given to all of you. Amen. You're too strong to be oppressed. You have people going for, you know, I, I need delivered. Put your shoulders in a human position. That little beaten down posture you've developed, you will be a magnet for oppression the rest of your life. And I feel like shoving you and I'm a preacher. You invite attack. You know, if you went to public school, I went for some years, there were guys like Pastor Lou's size that got bullied because it's not your size that gets you bullied. Then there'd be some little hothead. There's a guy, if anybody's watching, don't sue me. He was my, he was my friend in high school, Jack Drew. He was captain of the football team. He was like 5'3". He was a hothead. Nobody messed with that guy. He was a little guy. He had eyes like this. Then you have big guys. They get pushed around and stuff. Yelled at you. Know, Shut up. Hit. they think, what are you doing, man? You could, you could pick a, him up by the waist and throw him in a tight spiral through the sheetrock. <laughs> <laughs> big and picked on. It's, it's your posture that got you bullied. Not your size. There's Christians that in the spirit, you're a big, strong spirit. But your mentality lets you get shoved around by little imp demons but not after today you're going to tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet hallelujah <laughs> develop that posture develop that look in your eyes you'd be amazed what would happen my wife left her cell phone in our hotel the last hotel we stayed at I was wearing a suit and tie and I was dressed up I had a dinner that night I had on a french cuff shirt So there was a big line to the front desk. I just needed to get back in our room to get her phone. Our our, our keys were expired. I walked straight to the front of the line in my suit, jumped everybody, walked up to the guy and I said, I need the key to room 302 to retrieve a cell phone right now. He went, coming right away, sir. (laughs) Thank you. Walked up and got the phone. Because she was like, just leave it. They'll ship it to us. It's going to take an hour. Then I was back out in like, you know, four minutes. How'd you do it that quick? Authority. Carry yourself a certain way. Didn't you say amen. amen? I didn't lie. I just told him what to do and he did it. Jesus did that. Banquet we need a banquet room. Go tell the holiday and the master hath need of it. Amen. 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 Authority. Amen. Wanna hear a worse one? I was driving in South Africa from East London to Port Elizabeth, and you drive on the left side of the road, which for a pollock like me is tough to keep straight when you've been driving on the right side your whole life. So I end up on the wrong side of the highway. Um, what do they call those little like cylinders, the orange and white ones with a reflector on it? I'm driving in an active construction zone on the highway. Not good. I had a, but I was dressed to preach, and I, I, the only cars they had to rent were Mercedes. So I'm in a Mercedes with a suit. These construction guys and the police officer are looking Angry. And so I thought, well, I only got one shot to get out of this. I'm going to give it a whirl. I drove up real slow to the officer and the construction workers and put my arm out the window on the right side of the car. And I said, how's the construction project going? It's going good. I said, are you going to be able to be done by the deadline? They went, "We, we think we'll be able to. I went, well, you've been doing a good job. If you need to take an extra two weeks, go ahead and do it. I said thank you sir and I went, now how do i get out of here and they showed me how and i got out of there amen that really happened somebody say authority oh, yeah. my grandfather pastored for 62 years he said when you don't know what to do take over paul paul was a prisoner on that ship in acts 27 but paul was calling all the shots Brothers, I told you we should not have departed from the harbor, and you should have listened to me back then. Now do what I tell you to do, and there won't be any loss of life. Now that's totally different than, they said that they're going to raise our taxes. If you're a they said Christian, me and you ain't going to get along. By the time we're done this week, demonized people are going to meet in secret rooms and go, they said. They said. When we get done on Friday night, the devil's going to check for you under his bed before he goes to sleep at night. Because we're producing a new breed of Christians who are not fighting the devil. They're treading on his head in Jesus' mighty name. One more time. Give the Lord the mightiest hand clap and shout. Hallelujah. Now shout it out. I'm free. I'm I'm healed. I'm delivered I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. In, Jesus name. in Jesus name you can be comfortably seated we have different people that come in all the time so there's no pressure to give in any service you come the whole week I don't check I don't have like a chart with your name on it and see how much you gave but we do open up that, believe it or not there's people that actually drive long distances to give when I was in South Carolina a woman drove from out of state to drop off a check for three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars That was the whole reason she came came did that and left So there could be people like that here that feel to sow that the Lord spoke to them. They want to make a move. And so we give you that opportunity because that's what offerings are for. It's not to help the preacher. It's essentially for God to get money to his children and bypass the system that's been set up to keep you from rising up in wealth. Return to me in the tithe and the offering. And if you do, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour who out? You pour who out pour you out what a blessing blessing. that's so great you won't have room enough to take it all in try it and let me prove it to you your crops will be abundant for I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so anybody that says we don't give to get must not believe God knew what he was talking about in Malachi 3 part of the reason of giving it's not the sole motivation but there should be a desire that I'm going to sow a seed and believe you for a harvest that you're going to take me where I could never get I've told this story a zillion times that building 107 Patton drive that we meet at in Pittsburgh that's a four or five million dollar building and, and it, it was precipitated by the day before we were going to go to the meeting to see how much we had to pay and all that I had the Lord speak to me Jerry Savelle was speaking in Tampa I was down there with Pastor Rodney I went with the intention of not giving anything because I had to pay a $550,000 down payment in the morning and I had like seven or eight hundred thousand in the bank so I had enough But then I got employees and all that stuff. And I feel the Lord speak to me. So are you believing for me to give you favor in that meeting tomorrow? I am. Then sow $100,000 seed towards Pastor Rodney's building. Well, that was so much. See, that's why if you give something that your flesh is comfortable with and it doesn't, you miss something. Like if I had to give $20, I just would've given $20 or even $1,000. But then 100,000 hurt so much that it made me say a couple things in, in the front row. I said, "Now Father, I'm going to obey you, but I need you then to give me extreme favor tomorrow, and I'm believing you for that in Jesus' name. So it was a spiritual gift, and I, it's not because like now I'm going to name this seed. It wasn't, I wasn't go through the mechanics of it. but if you're asking me for this much and I'm willing to do it, then I'm going to take you at your word, and I'm going to claim for myself the things I preached to other people, that what I make happen for others, you'll make happen for me. And I was still in Florida. My wife and her sister and Patrick and the other people in our ministry went to that meeting. The owner of the building asked him a bunch of questions. What, are, what, are they, what does it say you owe today for a down payment? 550000 You can keep it. Just pay me 10000 a month for five years. That's, that's not much. That's $600,000 for a four million. So that's a miracle. Then three, year, three months later, he walked in with all three $10,000 checks uncashed in the deed to the building. And said, so I like what you guys are doing. You, you can just have the building. And they left the top floor furnished, which has a minimum of $750,000 worth of office furniture in it. So what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. How many of you saw when I gave that million dollar check to Pastor Rodney? Do you know within six weeks, a lady flew up from another state and dropped off a check for a million dollars because she said, when I saw you do that, I felt in my spirit, that I want to do that for you. And I got a call in two weeks. Her husband had passed on, he was a great businessman. And the people that ran their account said, we found another account your husband had that we didn't know about. What do you want to do with the money? She said, how much is in it? They said, just over a million dollars. She said, give me the million. And then got on a plane, and flew it up and dropped it off. So that sounds, you know, if you give a million dollar check away and you heard what I said to Pastor Rodney when I gave it, I'm not giving this to you to help you. I'm giving it to help me. I believe my gift will return to me. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Well, th- that sounds insane. I remember the first time I sold $1,000 thinking, I don't know, who's ever going to give you $1,000? Boom. Amen. And then, then they keep coming with cousins. Praise then you sell your first 10000 I never heard anybody getting a $10,000 check. There it goes. Then you sell a million-dollar check, and a, a million-dollar check comes right back Amen. in five weeks. Praise that million dollars I sold knocked me down to $1.9 million in the ministry account. We went up to 4.2 within eight weeks. Think of it. It took me 42 years to get to 1.8 million. And then after we sowed that million, we. we That's extra, after paying everybody, debt-free. Awesome. You know how I, you, you want to know how I, I've remained debt-free? Because I used to not have a credit score where I even had the option to get into debt. Even the afternoon talk show, credit card commercials, rejected me. I got rejected from the Montel Williams prepaid visa. So. So. So I know what it's like to be on the other other end of broke. And I know how to sew your way out. If you listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. He'll do for you and i have people tell me because i tell stories like that to show you what god can do is so people say now listen i know you've received a million dollars i know this isn't much it is it's not about That's right. the number you matching that lady's money it's about being obedient to the holy spirit That's right. That's right. That's right. that million dollars that i gave pastor rodney paid his bills for eight or nine days with his budget i told him that when he met with me before we went on air i said what would you have done if when you were coming over from south africa with A few kids and a couple of suitcases and $300 in your pocket. The Lord said, one day, some young minister with a couple of screws loose is going to give you a million dollars. And you got real happy. And then the angel continued, and it'll be enough to pay your bills for nine days. And when I said nine days, he went eight. So that's how it works. Sew up, blessings come down. Now, Pastor, he already has a lot of money. No, so, so where the anointing is. I ain't giving a million dollar check to someone that says, how I many you know we don't give to get? I'm going to give a million dollars to someone Says now we're going to pray and believe for a hundredfold to come back. Amen. When you give in this ministry, you're not giving someone who's going to deride your blessing. I pray the greatest businesses on the West Coast spring up out of this meeting today and spring up out online in Jesus' name. If you'd like an envelope, you can hold up your hand. If you're giving online, revivaltoday.com. And you click give now. Thank you for the blessing. You've been online. The online giving is astounding to me, to be honest with you. Because you would think at offering time, people would just close their laptop and go about their day. But they they don't. They give. RevivalToday.com. Click give now. All the information's there. There's the individual ways to give. Cash app, dollar sign, RT Give. If you want to mail a check, watch it online. Revival Today, PO Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. And then we'll receive that and put it into the work of the ministry. Win souls. And I thank you. I don't take any, what anybody gives for granted. Nobody owes me a dollar. The Bible talks about tithes and offerings, but it says nothing about shuttles worth in there. So the fact that you would choose our ministry to make it your soil means a lot to me. And I am believing for your severe increase frightening increase I pray the Lord embarrasses you with increase where you have to give a defense speech about why you're driving what you're driving and how you're able to buy the house you bought amen get your own coat of many colors let your brothers grind their teeth amen well I'll tell you if we shut these meetings down this afternoon I flew back to Pittsburgh it's been a great set of meetings this has been awesome I'm not foreshadowing, I'm staying the whole week. But you, 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 you guys are not exactly difficult to preach to. People came here hungry. I love coming to the West Coast. Now with everybody that knocks the West Coast, I've never met hungrier Christians than in California and Oregon, ever. The le- a lot of the leadership might have left the church down, but the people are as hungry as ever. What a great turnout for us. Monday at, at 10 o'clock. It's not like we're in a farming community. And harvest is over, and you all have your days free. People have jobs and kids and court appearances. Warrants out for your arrest. Oh, yeah, I looked around the crowd. I know what I'm dealing with. Some of you you came here from Wyoming, but they were able to find you. Amen. Hold up your seed before the Lord. If you're given by phone, you can hold your phone up. If you're at home and you're given by your desktop computer grab the desk and lift the entire thing above your head (laughs) father thank you for a 100 fold return on every seed that's sown today i pray that at least one person would hear from your spirit today and sow something that changes their financial destiny with one seed i thank you that the back of poverty is broken off of every life I thank you that the blessing will not only come to them, but there'll be favor and blessing that's extended to their children and their children's children. In Jesus name, before you give, just because you're so nice to talk to, you know, if you take that scripture literally, which I take them all literally, so I don't commit adultery, take it literally, So I don't drink and get drunk, I take that literally. Well, take the rest of them literally. If you take the holiness parts literally, why not take the blessing parts literally? A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Do you know how much money you have to leave for you not to be able to exhaust it, your children not to be able to exhaust it, and your, ch- your grandchildren still be enjoying it? After inheritance tax and all that stuff, even if you set it up super smart with trusts and everything, they're, they're dinging you every time the money's passed, and it still can't be exhausted. So that, that, that's not talking million, a million yeah, you, you, people used to get mad in church. That guy, the way that guy preaches, you'd think God wanted everybody to be a millionaire. Let me now. This might turn the whole crowd against me, which is why I saved it for the end. A million dollars is not a lot of money. If I gave you a million dollars right now, between the state of Oregon, county taxes, and uh, federal taxes, I think you'd write a check for about 380,000 maybe. In there, maybe forty-one thousand, or sorry, four hundred ten thousand. So you're already down to about six hundred thousand just after taxes. You ever, remember that show, Deal or No Deal? Yeah. If you get four hundred thousand, what are you going to do? I'm going to buy a house and a boat. No, you're not. <laughs> Pick one. How much is a brand new pickup truck now? Over hundred thousand, right? If you get the top package. So sorry, sorry that there's Christians that still have a mind that's stuck in 1740 where houses cost $600 and stuff. That's not where we're at. So if you, a, mil, a million is not beyond your grasp, and it's not some unexpendable amount of money. If a million dollars comes in this month in our ministry, I'll lose $400,000. So, it's not, God will actually get you to a point. It's like giving that million. If, if our ministry comes down to the point where I need that million, it's, it's over, so might as well sow it. What land are you going to buy that's worth anything for a million dollars? What building are you going to build for a million? You're, not, you're not going to put the foundation and parking in for a million. These the way these preachers preach, they act like you're going to have a million dollars. Yeah, you dummy. If they can put have two billion dollars to throw up a casino in Las Vegas in nine months, why should the church piddle around struggling for some small amount? paying double what it's worth over 25 years nah we serve el shaddai the god of more than enough and you're going to know him that way in jesus name praise the lord Lord. say with me million dollar offerings billion dollar dollar flow flow. that's how the church is going to operate from now through the end of the year and until jesus comes the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just I feel like I'm in like a, a dream or something. I've never preached that strong on prosperity and people are getting excited. Normally people, Normally people throw hymnals at you. What a great group of people here. I'm telling you, we're gonna shake this place this week together. Get ready for the best week you've ever had. Get ready for the best week you've ever had. In Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.